Welcome to episode 49. 49. 49. I'm Jules. I'm Cece. How how are you today? 40 freaking 9. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Had a had a delightful day. I sat on the front porch. It was beautiful outside. And I just have like a little bistro table out there. And I uh, worked on the department budget today. What did you do? I did not work on the department budget. I did like party planning basically at work, which is sad. We're doing a large event for our whole company, which is great, but not usually part of my job. And somehow I'm helping. So that's that. That's insane. It is insane. That has happened to me before. Not a fan. Yeah, that it's making me realize like I hate this and I will not have a wedding ever if I get married. Not doing it. <laughs> I'm just gonna make it real low key. Yeah. Courthouse all the way. Um yeah. All right. So all right. Are you ready to just like do you wanna just hop right into our topic today? Or do you have things you want to talk about first? I feel like well, I have like I had like an exciting thing to tell you. Okay, tell me. And well, I had an exciting thing to tell you and then it ended in disaster. Oh, well, I feel like the disaster okay. part might be interesting. It was like fun, I don't know. Okay. Funny? It's not fun. It's not fun. It's not funny. It's not funny. Um, okay. so okay. Hey, does everyone remember who Jeff is? Jeff is a yard possum from my old home. Jeff is. So, and also our number one fan. Remember? Oh, yeah. We did have a number one fan named Jeff. Yeah. I don't know if Jeff, number one fan, you better still be out there. But Jeff, I hope you're still um, listening. We had, we had a special guest Jeff on our porch and uh, Lucy went outside to let the dogs out and we had our granddaughter here so she's a little bit wild and she was acting she's very dramatic so when something happens to her that is alarming she's very vocal about it like she she kind of squeals like she's been hurt but it's just her feelings are hurt yeah it's not a big deal Anyway, so Lucy was looking to see what hurt her feelings under the bench, and she freaked out because there was a little face looking at her, <laughs> and it was a Jeff. Yeah. It was a Jeff. And we didn't know that. But she went and got the dock, and then, like, we went outside and we looked at it, and it was so cute, and it was sitting there, like, doing that weird little smile thing at us. Yeah, possums are and adorable. All that. Yeah, so we had a special guest, and then... And then a couple nights ago, our big beast of a dog, he, well, he's not, he wasn't supposed to go out the back door because we have a big muddy, muddy mess in the backyard because we're digging a giant hole in the backyard for a new pool. And he wasn't supposed to go out there, but Lucy opened the door and we have a screen on it. And then the bottom of the door, there's like kind of wooden or vinyl like slats on the door and like stuntman style I guess he ran through 
like there was no stopping him, she said. He ran through the screen and through the slats in the door and just busted them out. Like, boom! Uh-huh. Ran into the backyard and he would not recall. And she was, she was very upset by what he was doing. And then the next day we were out there working in the big hole in the backyard and we saw Jeff. Oh no. And he was in rigor. He was in rigor mortis. Jeff, RIP. Fox is a murderer. Our little porch friend. He's a murderous dog. He thought he was doing a good thing. He R. thought. RIP, Jeff, number three. God. Uh, yeah, hashtag save Jeff. Uh, we were really bombed. God, that's such a bummer. So. Oh. Yeah, my fun story wasn't so fun. You don't know for sure that Foxtrot did it. I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do. Oh, man. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no denying he was pretty, he was pretty proud. Oh, of I was trying to make it, it into was, a mystery. Was, yeah. To, as a segue. Oh, yeah. It can't be proven. No it can't be proven. But we we did have a dead uh we had a dead mouse that Tang's brought Tango brought us a dead mouse and put it on the front steps and we were like, very nice, very nice. Okay. And so the doc pushed it off the front porch and into the garden area. Because that's gross. <laughs> that's out front, you know? And we're like, okay, that's that, because that's what we do with those. And the next day, he was like, oh, she got another mouse. And I was like, I don't know. That kind of looks like two-day-old corpse. <laughs> she just like, brings it back again. We looked. She brought it back. Like, she didn't feel like we gave her enough praise. Yeah. So we had to make, like, a really big ordeal about praising her about the mouse that we had already seen dead. Oh. But now, two-day-old mouse. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, so lots of gross things happening here. Your animals are wild. Everything good at your house? Um, we don't have any they are dead rodents, so I guess everything's good at our house. How's your whole like bird watching? Um, it's fine, you old lady. It's it's been a bummer because of the fact that, well, no, it's not okay. The flooding went down. The flooding needed to go down. But now the birds aren't as that's close to us. And so that's a bummer because they were oh. like getting really close to us. And I was like, hello, dinosaur friends. And <laughs> that's just how it was. Yeah. That's just how it we was. We saw a really cool swallowtail hawk. Um, that's not really what it's called. I don't know what that means. But it's like it's black and white. It's a, It was really cool. Um, I pointed it out to the doc and he looked it up and it turns out that they used to live all up and down the Mississippi. And then because of all of the forestry stuff that happened, like people cut down all the fucking trees and they don't have any place to live. So now there's like one in my yard okay. living. And I guess they live like in pairs. They have like a mate and they come here and then they go to South America later on. That's crazy. I, I know. I don't They're know beautiful. actually what word you said, but it sounded like because of the sorcery. Where they cut all the trees down. And because right now we are recording, Jules had to get creative with her calling me. 
situation because her earbuds weren't working and it's a little bit fuzzy what I'm hearing and it sounded like you said it was because of sorcery. It is. It was totally because of... <laughs> and now because of my stupid orthodontia in my mouth. It is. It was sorcery, yes. Okay. The sorcery made them stop being where I am and they're now where you are. Yeah, You'll figure it out later. Okay. It's fine. All right. Okay. What are we what are we talking about even? Today. Now that we're done giving everyone an update on critters and creatures, what do you got going okay. on? Okay. So we're gonna talk about this this thing, this topic, kind of it's a lot going on here. So it is true crime, it is unsolved mystery, it is I like that. Haunted. There Ooh, is another like bird enthusiast involved. Oh. There's, it's just, it's, it's a lot. There's even arts and crafts involved. Arts and crafts? Yeah, do you have any guesses yet? Are we talking about real arts and crafts or just like the type of architecture? Arts no, like real arts and crafts. Like popsicles, like sticks. painting and paper mache and like sewing. Did somebody paper mache a dead body and sew skin together? No, they didn't. Okay, no. what we're gonna talk about today okay. is Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Alcatraz. That's a prison day. It is a prison. Do you know very much about it? Well, I know enough about it that I watched things on it and I watched a movie of a guy. I had a bird friend. Yeah. There's all kinds of movies on it. I haven't watched most of them. I got into it years ago. Really? There was – well, I've watched some documentaries now, like just over this weekend. But a long time ago – not a long time ago, like a years back. I don't know how many years. At this point, there was like an Alcatraz TV show that was like made up and it was like suddenly – these men just like appeared in their old Alcatraz cells like after the prison was closed and they were like the same age that they were at Alcatraz and they had like disappeared and it was like it was a weird TV show but it was interesting and I kind of liked it but then it got canceled and mm -hmm. I never knew what happened on the TV show because it just was canceled oh you told me about that yeah it was kind of a bummer but during that time I had started like just kind of researching Alcatraz a little bit, like Googling things while I watch TV because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember how I ended up looking at it this weekend, but that's what I decided on. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've watched a lot of documentaries. I've read articles. There's conflicting information all the fuck over the place. So I'm going to do my best here to get through it. And I apologize if anything is not correct. I just kind of went with what I thought was the best information I could find at the moment. Sound well, good? that's shocking because normally the internet is very, very consistent. It's super consistent all the time with all the cases that we cover. Of course. It is. And it's so truthful. Yes, totally. Totally, totally. Okay. So I'm going to start by giving some background on Alcatraz. Alcatraz Island was first fortified by the United States Army in the mid-19th century as part of a coastal defense strategy for the San Francisco Bay. So in 1853 is when construction started on the island, and it took 
like three decades for them to get it done. And really the primary purpose of it. Damn. Yeah. The primary purpose of it was to protect the bay and its entrance from potential enemy attacks. There were like. Like who? Yeah. What? Like who you said? I said like who? I think. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine like 1850s. I don't like who were we worried about in the 1850s? Pirates. Pirates, probably. probably. Yeah. I guess because yeah, we were totally. like fighting with each other at Pirates. that point. I don't know. Interesting enough, but we were worried about it over there. There were they put like gun batteries up that are like strategically positioned around the island, and there were cannons and artillery. And one of the most prominent features on the island at that time was the citadel, which was a multi-level brick structure that was designed to serve as a defensive barracks and command center. It offered a strategic cool. advantage, providing a vantage point for monitoring and controlling ship traffic entering and leaving the bay. So, and this was part of like a larger coastal network of defenses that included other military installations of the region, probably pirates, right? And so, by the 20th century, yeah. though, so like 50 years later, you know. 20th century rolls around and advancements uh -huh. in military technology changes and we're not as worried about needing to block that probably there were less pirates or something and so they decided that they're like Maybe. we don't really need alcatraz anymore and so it didn't really the army was like we don't give a fuck about this place anymore but some other things were happening in our countries the prohibition rolls around and like Bad guys? Other bad guys on land. Prohibition starts, rolls around in the 1920s. Sorry, I'm going to move a cat really quick. Somehow she got down here. She's so cute, though. Okay. So, Prohibition rolls around in the 1920s, and crime rates start to go bananas in the United States. I guess over the course of 30 years, like from like the early 1900s through like the 1930s, the murder rate rose by 1,000%. What? Yeah, because of bootleggers and shit and mobsters. Like people killing other people about their booze? About booze and like, like, like the booze like started like the organized crime stuff a little bit more and that's when it started to really pick up. Yeah. And then to make it worse, the criminals are becoming celebrities in the press. Like, so you've got like Al Capone and like well, Bonnie yeah. and Clyde and like everybody's, you know, they got like, yep, you've got... Machine Gun Kelly, like, they're all, like, becoming these celebrities in the news. And so more people are like, I want to be cool. Let's murder. And so it got pretty bad. Yeah. It got, got pretty bad, Dewey. And so they needed somewhere <sighs> to put all these bad guys, especially since a lot of the prisons were essentially at this time run by guards with mob ties. So if you had money at that time, you could get like a comfy chair and a radio brought in and you could eat steak dinners. The mob dudes like Al and Capone. wallpaper? Maybe wallpaper. I'm not sure. I saw some pictures of cells that were like, like that were there and it was like literally like, like a comfy chair and like a radio and, and like a, like a rug on the floor. And it's like a, like a, like you're like in a living room, except for it's in yeah, a jail cell. Yeah, I feel like they have wallpaper. They might have. I don't know that for certain, but we'll go with it. So, okay, yeah, these guys, Thank like, you. these big guys, they didn't give a fuck. They were just like, well, I'll go in for a little bit and get a break from life. And they, like, were paying the guards there. They could still run their enterprises from the prison. So it just, it was kind of ridiculous. 
the FBI, which, fun fact, was formed in 1908, including J. Edgar Hoover, needed something to terrify the criminals. They needed something to change what was going on in these prisons. And so they decided... So it was really, really scary. Yes. They were like, we're going to design our dream prison, and we're going to strip these criminals of their celebrity status, and we're just going to like make life hell well, for them. So, in 1933... No fancy lamps. No fancy lamps. No radios. No rugs. No comfy chairs. No cigars. No cigars. Yeah. We're, we're going to make a terrible place for them. And so, in 1933, the U.S. Department of Justice acquires Alcatraz Island with the intention of establishing life in the dream prison. Yes. Major renovations are undertaken. And they convert the existing military facilities into a high-security penitentiary. Penitentiary. I Did I say that right? It's part of the penal system. Uh, high-security high penal building. So I just... <laughs> I just thought about a building shaped like penis. Okay. Me too. All right. The main cell house was not shaped like a penis. It had previously served as the military barracks, aka the citadel. It was extensively modified to like to equip and house inmates. In the end, it ended up with over eighty thousand square feet, which made it the largest concrete structure in the world. It had three hundred and thirty-six cells. Oh my goodness! The cells were spread across That's four main tiers. It is. The blocks were designed in a V shape with three cell tiers facing towards the central gun gallery and the fourth tier facing away from it. The cells were small. They measured nine by five, so like five feet across, nine feet deep, and each had a bed, a small desk, and a wash basin. So like this thing is so small that you could only lay like the long way. (laughs) You couldn't lay the other way. They're very teeny tiny. It's pretty much like... A bunch of walk-in closets. So how many, do you know how many there were total? Yeah, 336. Did you already say that? Yeah, I just said it like a minute ago. But other people probably missed it too. So don't worry. Yeah, I bet they did. That's why I repeat myself a lot when I do these. Because when I'm listening to podcasts, my brain can't handle things. And I'm like, what did they say? Which person? I never can keep track. So that's fine. Okay, I'm listening to this in real time, and my brain can't handle it. Yeah, so. I'm throwing a lot of facts All out, right. honestly. Okay, so proceed. The rest of this prison included areas such as the dining hall. There were shower facilities and recreational areas, and additional security measures were implemented, including reinforced doors, bars, and gun galleries to monitor an inmate. Or monitor and control the inmate population. <laughs> to monitor an inmate, oh my, that's the intense. control box. No, I don't know. Okay. So on top of these extra security measures that were put in place for the dream prison, there was also the natural geography of the place. So it's isolated, of course, on an island in the San Francisco Bay. There are treacherous waters around it's it. Island. Yes. So Really bad? Yeah. This water was like the major deterrent to block prison breaks because prison breaks were a very popular pastime of prisoners during this time period. Prison breaks were just people were like 
breaking out of prisons left and right. They were really bad Our at keeping people. Great grand greatish, greatish, great, great grandpa that's in our Martyr first grandpa. episode. He broke out of prison. He did break out Martyr of prison. But I think he was just like on a chain gang and walked away or something or a farm. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, people just, they weren't doing a very good job of keeping them in. So this prison was supposed to change all that. So the prison was officially opened on August 11th of 1934 and it was named the United States Penitentiary. I can't say it. United States Penitentiary Alcatraz Island. I don't know it's if part I part of the penal code. Part of the penal system. Okay. So <laughs> the goal here is not to rehabilitate prisoners. The goal is to punish them. You'd be sent here if you were naughty at another prison, like if you tried to escape, or you're gonna be sent here if you're like a famous mob guy. Like a famous, famous mob guy? Like how many famous mob guys went there? Well, I think like Al Capone is what we're talking about. But that's the one. He's the one. Was Machine Gun Kelly in the mob? I think he maybe was. It's in my notes later. I'll talk about it. So I don't know. This is your episode. I have so many notes. I don't remember. I can't remember who did what. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. Alcatraz was considered the first maximum security facility, and it's, like, ready to go. We're going to house some of the most dangerous and disruptive federal prisoners ever. So in addition yeah. to all of the stuff that they did to the building and putting them on an island with with hard waters to cross in between, they also had super strict regulations and disciplinary measures. They were really aimed at maintaining a secure and orderly prison environment all the time. The prison staff included ex- like the trunch bowl. Yep, they wanted to. They wanted like experienced correctional officers, experienced administrative personnel. They were trained to handle the unique challenges of Alcatraz's inmates, who were the worst of the worst. And while most prisons at this time had twenty inmates to one guard, Alcatraz had three inmates to one guard when it first oh, opened. Really? Yeah, it's a lot of guards. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a lot of guards. Yes. And there is a fun that's fact. A lot of freaking guards. Yes, there are a lot of guards. And I want to give this fun fact here. That the wives and the families okay. of the guards lived on the island as well. There were like, these beautiful what? apartments in Building 64. They had like a bowling alley. They had a convenience store. They had a soda shop. There were like 300 civilians living on the island. So, like, uh, roughly 60 couples and their children. And it was considered a really good job. And the rent was low. Kids took a boat to school and the inmates did your laundry for you. There are so many stories out there of people who lived on the island and they loved it. Like, they had a great community out there. They just, like, loved it. Some people's, like, their dad worked there and then they worked in the prison when they got older. So, it was just, like... It was great. Like, apparently it only cost $18 a month to live there. And that's when, like, rising costs in San Francisco were happening as well. So, like, I don't I didn't do the conversion of what that was today. But I guess it was, like, super cheap compared to living in actual San Francisco. And you had a beautiful view of the city. There is a beautiful view from the island, which you can see from some of the cells there. It was almost like, like, kind of tortured the inmates as well, like looking out and seeing, like, here's this beautiful city and I can't live there. I'm in the cell instead. Hmm. So 
Um, but yeah, like things that like in that area, like so the inmates did your laundry for you. Um, the kids that lived there could see prisoners from a distance, but weren't supposed to talk to them at all. But some of them were <laughs> like they're not. trash men. So like there are stories of kids that would like go and like help load trash into a truck with the help of an inmate. And the inmates were just like some of them were allowed to be out there, even though they're supposed to be the worst of the worst. That's crazy to me. Like they had trustees that they let out of the prison. Yeah. So they were just like. Yeah, they had people that would, like, help on, like, the docks down there. They had people that would help with trash pickup. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Like, it's really interesting. But so despite that and, like, the reports you get of the families living there and some of the inmates being able to, like, go out and do that, it really had this crazy reputation as, like, really formidable prison. It gained a notorious reputation, and they called it the Rock or Devil's Island. Inmates lovingly referred to it Mm -hmm. as Halcatraz. Hulk. Yeah. So here's why. Very funny. It is very funny. I like it. So Alcatraz, it was bad. I mean, like, you're on an island in the San Francisco Bay. So, you know, like, it meant that there's limited contact with the outside world. There's really restricted visitation and a sense of being cut off from society completely. Super high security measures, like we talked about, extensive barriers. It had a strict surveillance system, which created a constant, like, there. so there's so many guards in there, basically, that you're constantly under control and supervision. There were 12 to 13 check-ins every single day for the prisoners. They had really strict rules and regulations that were done. So they had, like, really limited freedoms, strict schedules, and constant monitoring, which I talked about already. Sorry, I have double things in here sometimes. But... There were also really, really harsh punishments as well. So if you misbehaved there, you were going to get to, like, a solitary confinement, which, like, the regular stuff, the hole was really bad. Like, they showed, like, what it looked like, and it was really bad. People would, like, go crazy in there. There was also a silence rule that you couldn't talk to other, like, inmates at all while you were in your cells or at work. So if you're, like, on a work detail and you're, like, staying next to a guy all day, you can't talk to him. If you're in your cell at night, which you did get your own cell, but you couldn't talk to the guy in the cell next to you. When would they talk then? They could talk, like, at meals, and that was it. And then, mm-hmm. the like, the recreation yard. But I guess there wasn't much of that. So it sounds like they said that it was really dark, foggy, damp, cold. And most of the time they were in their cells. So you actually were in your cell for 23 hours a day unless you had a job. Damn. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah, it really is. It was really, really bad. I guess that also their mail was really heavily censored. So they did that, like more of that at this prison than they would other places. So I'm guessing that a lot of the people just didn't get their mail or mail that they tried to send out wasn't delivered. If you did violate rules or attempt escape, you would go into the hole. Um, You would get like move to like more restrictive areas and the fear of the punishments created this atmosphere of like constant tension and pressure on the inmates like they were worried that like they were going to be like seen as breaking rules and it just it became a lot for them and so a lot of inmates would hurt themselves there um and there were five people who um ended up they killed themselves there well because it was just too much really yeah Uh, It was also scary because of other inmates. So there was one guard that was interviewed on one of the documentaries that I watched. And he said that 
He was on his very first day of work, very first hour, and he's working in the barber shop there. And there were inmate barbers as well. And suddenly, like the guy getting his hair cut by the inmate barber, like, like jumps up and like starts running away because something had happened. And the inmate barber like runs across the thing and stabs him with the scissors. And this guy who's in his very first day, like very first hour, has to jump in and like tackle them and separate them. People were crazy in there. That's an intense job. Yeah, it would be a really intense job for sure. That's what it was like at Alcatraz. So like cold, damp, isolated, dangerous, all the bad things. And so we'll talk about some of their most notorious inmates that were sent there. I'm just going to cover like the three that come up most often because... I want to get into this is definitely going to be two episodes. I feel like I'm not very far. I was we're going to cover like what Alcatraz is, but then we're also going to cover like the escape that everybody knows about. Let's talk about the three. So the first one who I've already mentioned, his name was Al Capone. And Al Capone was born on January 17th Al Capone. of 1899. A lot of people know who Al Capone is or you know a little bit about him, but I'm just going to cover some of what he was. So he's born in Brooklyn, New York. And I also know what his weird face looks like. Yes. They also know what his weird face looks like. One of America's most infamous gangsters during the Prohibition era. Okay. He rose to power as a mobster and was involved in various illegal activities, including bootlegging, gambling, and racketeering. Despite his involvement in criminal in criminal activities, I almost said criminal captivities. <laughs> he did that later. Okay. He was a rascal. He was a rascal. He avoided conviction for a lot of years, and he earned the na- nickname Scarface due to a facial scar he received in his youth. Mm. His criminal empire in Chicago was characterized by violence and corruption, which drew the attention of law enforcement agencies. And in 1931, Capone was finally brought to justice on charges of income tax evasion rather than his more notorious criminal activities. He was convicted and sentenced to 11 years in federal prison, along with hefty fines and restitution. Um, And so he initially received or he initially served his sentence at the U.S. Penitentiary the u.s penal at at, in atlanta u.s penitentiary penitentiary (laughs) is it penitentiary or penitentiary i think it's i think for some reason i'm thinking it's penitentiary penitentiary it's spelled penitentiary but i think you just say penitentiary okay in atlanta (laughs) so he got prepped in Atlanta. He was in the jail. He was in the prison the big, in Atlanta. Okay. The prison. Yeah. And this Not is jail. where he had a prison. fancy cell. In Atlanta. Yeah. He had a fancy cell there, preferential treatment, and he continued to run his criminal operations through his associates and guards on the payroll. Mm. This obviously was concerning. And his ability to manipulate the prison system was like it really pissed off J. Edgar Hoover. So they decided that they're going to transfer him to a more secure and isolated facility. And so in August of 1934, Capone was transferred to Alcatraz, making him one of the earliest inmates in the newly established federal prison. The transfer to Alcatraz. Do you think he was excited to go at first? I don't know, but I know that he wasn't afterward. He pretty much. So my understanding is that he was 
not in the best shape at this point because of syphilis. So I don't know, really. I think that, I mean, like, they they really like publicized the the like they kept everything kind of like a mystery of how things were going at Alcatraz, but they really tried to make sure that the public understood that this was a bad place and somewhere you did not want to be. And I'm guessing he would have known that by this point, because this is three years after Ugh. it opened. He spent. I mean, he deserved it. So. He did. Like their, I mean, their goal was to kind of like break his power, cut off his criminal connections, and so he spent. Spent four and a half years there, and he faced strict rules, a diminished role compared to his previous life, even his previous life in prison. And at Alcatraz, he started exhibiting signs of mental and physical deterioration because of the syphilis. Um, He was released in Alcatraz in 1939, and then he spent the remaining of his years in various medical facilities before passing away in 1947. Hmm. Yes. Our next famous inmate is George Machine Gun Kelly. George. George. I feel like that's what it would have. I wonder why he was Machine Gun Kelly if he was George. Well, I think his name was George Kelly. And then I think like okay, Machine Gun is like sense. his middle. Like, he's like Machine Gun's my middle name. That's probably what he said. Yeah. Because yeah. he just shoots them a lot. Actually, his last name wasn't Kelly. It just says right here that his name was George Barnes. And he was born on July 18th of 1895. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. In Memphis, Tennessee, he was a gangster. I don't know if he was a mob boss, but he was a gangster, and he was a bank robber during the Prohibition era. He earned his nickname due to his fascination with Tommy guns and his use of automatic weapons during his criminal activities. It doesn't say how he got the name Kelly. It says machine gun, but I'm like, where did and he you... just really liked the name Kelly? Well, this is the 1800s. I mean, like people just make up their own names, especially criminals. He probably just didn't want his real name attached to it. Okay. All Something. Right. I don't know. Gotcha. So in the 1930s, no. Kelly and his wife Catherine became infamous for their involvement in high-profile kidnappings, including that of oil tycoon Charles F. Urschel. Some of these cases are ones that we probably could cover at some point. Like, it would be great to do, like, a whole episode on Capone in this kidnapping here. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Urschel mm-hmm. kidnapping drew significant attention from federal authorities who launched an intensive investigation to bring the kidnappers to justice and on September 26th of 1933 Kelly and his gang were apprehended in Memphis following a crazy manhunt by the FBI he and his accomplices were charged with kidnapping which was a federal offense I'm guessing they were crossing state lines and things so in 1934 Kelly they were eating barbecue they were eating barbecue all over the place and it was a federal offense in Memphis well they I don't know. It was federal. That, so what does that mean? That wasn't a federal offense. They were just enjoying themselves eating barbecue because they were in Memphis. And it slowed them down. And they got caught. That's what happens when you eat barbecue. When you're a criminal. Don't eat barbecue when you're a criminal. When you're a criminal. You don't know what's going on. You'll get sticky fingers. I like that. Okay. You brought it. You brought it full circle. Okay. So... His wife was also involved in this. They both were convicted and sentenced to some pretty long prison terms. So um, he got life in prison and his wife got 21 years in prison. And he was initially. She was a badass too. Yeah, she was. I don't wouldn't say badass. Like, I don't feel like. Like, I feel like when I say badass, it's a good thing. And she was a kidnapper and a criminal. 
Oh, that's not good. Yeah, so I don't think it's the same. Never okay to kidnap. It isn't okay to kidnap. It's really not. It's not. Unless you're kidnapping from a kidnapper. Don't kidnap people. Well, like, if you're... I'm not even going to put a scenario out there because I just don't have it in me tonight. I was going to say, like, can you think of a situation where it's ever okay to kidnap people? Well, like, my husband could kidnap me, like, quote unquote, kidnap me and take me on a surprise somewhere. But I would probably be upset about that, too, because I like to know what's going on. Yeah. So... It's not the same. I don't know. I don't feel if like somebody like fun. surprises and they're okay with being kidnapped and you're gonna take them someplace fun, then that might be okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's like but don't ever say that I said it was okay. Yeah, don't say that at all. Okay, let's get back to this. We're against kidnapping. We're anti kidnap. All right. Okay. Anti kidnappers. Are you ready to move on? Yeah, I'm I'm ready okay. about Machine Gun Kelly. All right. Okay. So Machine Gun Kelly is sent to federal prison in Leavenworth, Kansas, and he spends a brief period. Oh, I here. know all about Leavenworth. We do, but we know about the other mm-hmm. prison in Leavenworth. This is the federal prison mm-hmm. there, but I've seen it with my own eyeballs before. Me too. Yeah. Obviously, he has a reputation as a dangerous criminal and he kind of had celebrity status, so there were concerns about his influence on other inmates. And so they decided that also in 1934 that they're going to transfer him to Alcatraz. This is just part of, like, celebrity criminals, you're going. So Kelly ended up spending 17 years. Yeah. 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 He spent 17 years at Alcatraz. 17 years? Yes. 17 years. He Did, did he die there? No. He did try to escape, but he was unsuccessful. He ended up getting moved to the federal penitentiary in Terre Haute, Indiana in 1951, which was before the prison closed. I know exactly where that is, too. Cool. I even looked up how to say it, so I'm pretty sure I said it right because it's spelled interestingly. So he was there until he died in 1954. uh, Yeah, we have some family members that are from that area yeah they are actually forgot about that mm-hmm. okay yeah and my husband actually interviewed there for a job oh crazy i didn't know that yeah yep that's interesting okay okay go on so Proceed. that's what we know about machine gun kelly for right now i feel like i wanna i'm gonna call dibs on him for later episodes okay. all right so the last kooky character i want to talk about at alcatraz is this guy and his name was robert franklin stroud and he was born on january 28th of 1890 in seattle washington and he gained fame as the bird man of alcatraz yes his criminal activities began early in his life he was arrested several times for various offenses including theft and manslaughter and so he gets caught. Did you say incest? No, I said theft and manslaughter. Oh, that's way different. I did not say incest. Honestly, I was over here and in my head I was like, this is what he's about. And then, and then you like said a word and it sounded like you said incest. And I no. was like, whoa, that took a turn. And then that snapped me out of the song. Yeah. So here I am. Okay. 
So I'm going to take you from where and and manslaughter. Manslaughter, not even murder? I guess just manslaughter. I don't know. Spur of the moment. That's it. Okay. Okay. So this All takes right. us to 1909, and he is serving time in the federal penitentiary at McNeil Island, Washington. And there, he didn't manslaughter, but did murder a fellow inmate, which resulted in his transfer uh, to Leavenworth. He murdered a fella? Yes, he did. So he went to Leavenworth, <sighs> and while in Leavenworth, he developed an interest in ornithology and began studying birds. He became really passionate about birds, and he published a book called Diseases of Canaries, and it gained recognition in scientific circles. Apparently, it was a really good bird book. How did he do studies? I guess that that was allowed there. I don't know. Like, I guess they, they must have a bird lab. I'm not sure. Maybe in the yard, there's a lot of birds. I forgot. I should have asked somebody that we know that spent a lot of time in the Leavenworth area if there's a lot of birds there I'm not sure but despite just despite all the contributions to ornithology he was a difficult prisoner and he clashed with authorities and exhibited violent behavior on a really um like a lot which I mean like he did murder a guy he continued being a bad guy after he murdered people and went to Leavenworth and after his bird stuff. So they're like, fuck you, man. You're going to Alcatraz. So he went there in 1942, and they thought that they could better control him there. Mm-hmm. While there, he was not allowed to keep studying birds. So sad day for this guy. He wasn't allowed to have birds anymore? He wasn't. They didn't. Yeah, you can't have birds at Alcatraz. Are you kidding me? Like, there's no fun things at Alcatraz. No birds. Are there? Do they have an albatross? At Alcatraz. I think, isn't that a place? A different place? No. An albatross is a giant, giant bird. Oh, I didn't know what that was. And I don't know. There was not one at Alcatraz. I don't think. Well, I hope I said that right. Yeah, I don't know. But I do know that he spent a lot of his time at Alcatraz in solitary confinement because he was violent and unpredictable. And he stayed there until 1959. He was transferred to the Medical Center for Federal Prisoners in Springfield, Missouri, because he wasn't doing so hot. And he spent the remainder of his life there. He passed away on November 21st of 1963. Beyond these guys. It is an albatross. An albatross? I did a side quest. It's a bird and it's called an albatross? Yeah, it's an albatross. And it's a very large seabird. Huh. So it's bigger than a pelican? They dive. Um, they range widely in the Southern Ocean and the North Pacific. 11 feet. The only, yeah, the only reason I know about it is because. It's like a giant seagull. That one, that one song by Owl City. Oh, okay. Where he's like, if you're the bird, then I'm Don't get us sued. Like, what? I just want to, I like really love seabirds. <laughs> I don't know what my they problem eat squid is. squid and fish and krill. Interesting. Anyway, I bet you they're out there. I bet you they're in that area because they're on that. That's why I asked because they're on that 
side of the country. Yeah. I don't know. All I know is this guy wasn't allowed to study him. They, like, kept him, like, locked away from other people. Okay. So, moving on. Their wingspan is 12 feet. Yes. Their wingspan is 12 feet. It's really big. It is really okay. big. Okay. Are Go you on. ready to focus? Yeah, I'm ready okay. to focus. I'm sorry. There's these guys. They're famous or super violent or whatever. But really, one of the things that happened a lot at Alcatraz was they really were taking people there that tried to escape from other prisons. Escapers. Yes. Um, we talked about all the things that was there that were there to deter escapees, especially like we said, the water. So Alcatraz is, like we said, in San Francisco Bay. It's like one and a quarter miles or two kilometers from the mainland. The water surrounding the island is known for its strong and unpredictable currents, primarily caused by the tidal flow from the Pacific Ocean. The water temperatures are going to average around mm. 50 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 10 to 13 degrees Celsius. It's pretty chilly. Yes. It does pose a significant so risk of hypothermia even for a strong simmer. Simmer. <laughs> strong swimmer. A, th- a strong swimmer. Yeah. Um, the currents in the bay are influenced by several factors. So this includes like tides, winds, the shape of the bay itself. The tidal currents will change direction approximately every six hours, reaching speeds of up to six miles per hour or 10 kilometers per hour. And an albatross could pluck out your eyeball while you're yes, trying to swim. Yes, an albatross could get you. The strong currents combined with cold water and potential fog like the fog that's there is gonna like reduce your oh, visibility. No, the fog. Yeah, the fog's gonna get you. So like, let's say that you're like not up. dying from hypothermia and you're trying to swim through this thing, it's gonna be foggy, and it's gonna make it really hard you're to gonna see die where you're fog. gonna go. You are gonna die from fog. Uh, there's also you'll get disoriented. Yeah, you will get disoriented. What might further disorient you is that there's dangerous undertows, whirlpools. Not whirlpools. Not those. Whirlpools. And something called eddies. And I had to look up what this was. And an eddy is a circular movement of water counter to the main current. I knew it. You knew that? I did in my soul. Okay. It didn't quite reach my brain yet. But I was like, I know what an eddy is. Eddie's an albatross. I was like, that's it. Eddie's an albatross. I yeah. think as albatross probably is the plural too. You're not going to say albatrosses. So they're going to get you. It's albatrosses. Fog, eddies, albatross. Okay. So in addition to this water, the island is surrounded by like these really treacherous rocky cliffs, which make it nearly impossible to reach the water's edge from the prison itself. Are they jagged? They're jagged. Rocks, jagged little pills. Okay. That's what I think of in my head. Um, yes, me too. Yeah, other things about the water that would might make it hard to escape from from Alcatraz are that or is that the San Francisco Bay is heavily trafficked by ships, ferries, and other watercraft. So it's really going to increase your chances of being spotted and captured before you reach safety. So a combination of these, or you could grab one. You could, and I'm going to talk about that later, actually. But for now, do it? maybe, maybe not. It's this a mystery. Idea. It might have been your idea. That's how you would have escaped. That's how I would have escaped. 
Yeah. Okay, so based on all these things, you would think, like, escaping from Alcatraz must be pretty hard. Right? Not really. Oh, you don't think so? Sounds pretty easy to me. All right. Yeah, I, I got it figured out already. I, I masked it in my head. Okay. I got it. Keep that in mind. I just want to see if you would have done it the same way that these guys did it. Okay, so... Over the years, there were okay. a total of 14, like, real attempts to escape. The first one happened in April 27th of 1936. While working his job burning trash at the incinerator, Joe Bowers began climbing up and over the chain link fence at the island's edge. After refusing orders to climb back down, so I guess he just does this daylight. Um, no. <laughs> Hey, like they're just like watching him. You get down from there, Joe, and he's like, no, no. Yeah, he did. He said no. So he got (laughs) shot by a correctional officer that was stationed in the West Guard Tower, and then he fell about fifty to one hundred feet to the shore below and died from his injuries to the jagged rocks. Yes. So the next year, this is like six months later. While working in the mat shop in the Model Industries building, Theodore Cole and Ralph Rowe had, over a period of time, filed their way through the flat iron bars and on a window. After climbing through the window, they made their way down to the water's edge and disappeared into San Francisco Bay. The attempt was during a bad storm, because that was a really great time to try to get away. So the currents were super fast and strong. Most people believe that they were swept out to sea and died, but they're missing. They were never found, and they are presumed dead. So they could have made it, but... Maybe they got away. In a storm? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they got on a ship. That one, like... They flattened out like a pancake. Yeah. And then... They held their pee... Then they just, they waited it out until somebody took the ship back to the other side, back to San Francisco. And then they unflattened, peeled up. Okay. And they got off the ship. They might have made it. And then they lived. But people don't care about their escape for whatever reason. They don't worry about them as much as they do. All right. All right. So let's take it to me. Oh, I bonked the microphone real hard. Okay. May 23rd of 1938, while working in the woodworking shop in the Model Industries building again, Thomas Limerick, Jimmy Lucas, and Rufus Franklin attacked unarmed correctional officer Royal Klein with a hammer, killing him. The three men climbed to the roof in an attempt to disarm the correctional officer in the roof tower, and the officer, Harold States, shot Limerick and Franklin. Limerick died. And Lucas and Franklin received life sentences for Klein's murder. Then, taking it to January, six months later, Arthur, Doc, Baker, Dale Stamphill, William Martin, Henry Young, and Rufus McCain escaped from the isolation unit in the cell house by sawing through the flat iron bars, again, like the other guys, and bending toolproof bars on a window. They then made their way down to the water's edge, and correctional officers found the men at the shoreline of the west side of the island. Martin Young and McCain surrendered, while Barker and Stamp Hill were shot when they refused to surrender, and Barker died. Stamp Hill made it, but it didn't happen. He made it? No, he, like, he lived. He didn't make it out. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's way different. Okay, attempt number five, May 21st, 1941. Joe Kretzer, Sam Shockley, 
Arnold Kyle and Lloyd Barkdahl took several correctional officers hostage while working in the industries or in the industries area. The officers, including Paul Mag Madigan, sorry, Paul Madigan, who did later become Alcatraz's third warden, were able to convince the four that they could not escape. And the guys were like, yeah, you're right. And then they just went back. That's it? They just gave up and went back? Yeah, they, like, took the guys hostage. And then Oof. the officers, one of them, like, this Paul guy must have been good because he came to warden. They were just like, yeah, you guys are not going to get away with this. And they were like, yeah, you're right. We're going to stop holding you hostage. We'll just go back to our jobs. Yeah, I don't know. Um, they needed to put Ted Bundy in Alcatraz. They so really did. They really did. Okay. So a few months later, on September 15th of 1941, while on a garbage detail, John Bayless attempted to escape. He gave up shortly after entering the cold water of San Francisco Bay. Like, got it. He was like, nah, never mind. Um, he was. He got it and he got shrinkage and he was like, I'm done. I'm done here. So he had to go to federal court, though, because of the escape, I guess. And so when he's, like, in San, in San Francisco at the federal court, he tried to escape from the courtroom as well. He, like, tried to run away or something. I didn't get all the details on that. But it was, like, well, I just feel like this guy is, like, just makes, like, like weird spur-of-the-moment like spur decisions. And he's going to try to escape. And then he's, he's like, like, don't yeah, take I guess me I back failed. there. It's horrible. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, right? I mean. Yes. Not going to get any better. Yeah. What was that weird little noise that I just heard? That was a text message coming in to a group chat that you are involved in. Oh, okay. Cool. I mind silenced. Okay. It... Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about escape attempt number seven. This is April 14th of 1943. James Borman, Harold Brest, Floyd Hamilton and Fred Hunter take two officers hostage while at work in the industries area again. The four climbed out a window and made their way down to the water's edge. Um, one of the hostages was able to alert other officers to escape and shots were fired at these guys as they were swimming away from the island. Hunter and Brest were apprehended. Borman was hit by the gunfire and sank below the water before officers were able to reach him. So his body was not ever recovered. Uh, Hamilton was initially presumed mm. drowned. However, after hiding up for two days in a small shoreline cave, Hamilton made his way back up to the industries area where he was discovered by correctional officers. He's like, excuse me, can I come back in? Like Excuse me, I was living in a cave, but I'm cold. Please let me back in the gross prison. I was living in a cave, and I got a new appreciation for my life. Could I please come back? Yeah. It's like, I'm hungry, I guess. Okay. Number eight. <laughs> Number eight. August 7th of 1943. Huron, Ted Walters. I guess, like, he went by Ted instead of Huron, which I get because it's a weird name. Ted? Yes, he's like his nickname was Ted. I don't know, but like T E D yes. or K E D. Ted with a T. <laughs> I thought you said Ked, like Keds, the tennis shoes. <laughs> Huron Ked Walters disappears from the prison laundry building and later invents Ked shoes. Exactly. No, this guy didn't. He was working at the prison laundry building. 
he disappeared from there. But then, like, I don't know how he got down to the shoreline, but he got there. And before he could attempt to enter the bay, they were like, put your hands up. You're going back to prison, dude. And he was like, all right. He went back. Take off your tiny white tennis shoes. These guys, like, some of these people didn't really try very hard. Since there's, like, like when we get to the, the, no. the big kahuna, you're going to be like, holy shit, these guys are crazy. Number yeah. nine is July 31st of 1945. So this is a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. Um, John Giles was able to take advantage of his job working at the loading dock where he unloaded army laundry sent to the island to be clean. Over time, he stole an entire army uniform and dressed in the uniform. He calmly walked Ooh. aboard an army launch to what he thought was freedom. He was discovered missing almost immediately because he forgot about. to like think about the part where he was like, where did he go? So... Um, <laughs> launch was headed for Angel Island and not San Francisco, which was another nearby island. Um, he thought it was going to San Francisco. So as soon as he set foot on Angel Island, he was met by correctional officers who were like, yeah, we noticed you were missing, bud. And they returned him to Alcatraz. <laughs> All right. This okay. next one is nutso. And I'm going to cover some of it. I feel like. There were some cool stories I read about it, but I'm not going to cover all of it. So this is May 2nd through 4th of 1946. And this is known as the Battle of Alcatraz or the Alcatraz Blastout. So there were six prisoners who were able to overpower cell house officers and gain access to weapons and cell house keys, in effect taking control of the cell house. Their plan began to fall apart when the inmates like very quickly realized that they didn't have the key to unlock the recreation yard door. Prison officials discovered the escape attempt, but instead of giving up these six guys, this is Bernard Coy, Joe Kretzer, whose name popped up a couple times in these escape attempts, Marvin Hubbard, Sam Shockley, this is a a double for him, Miran Thompson, and then Clarence Carnes. We're going to talk about Clarence Carnes again again later. So they decided that they're going to fight it out. So eventually, Shockley... Thompson and Carnes returned to their cells, but not before the officers that were taken hostage were, shoint, were, were, sh- were shot. I'm giggling about these people being shot, and that's not what I mean. I'm just giggling at my words. Okay, That's not a good thing to giggle I about. I know. I was giggling about my words, and I messed up. Okay, they were shot point blank by Kretzer, who was encouraged to do so by Shockley and Thompson. So... One officer, William Miller, died from his injuries. A second officer, Harold Stites, who was the one that stopped the third escape attempt, he was shot and killed, attempting to regain control of the cell house. Eighteen officers. This doesn't sound like it was a very fun place to live. I mean, I know you said that living there was fun for these people. I think it was fun for their families. But not like they did though. Like there were there are accounts like these people that are living on it too. So like when when things like this happened, there were sirens that would go off like anytime there was an escape attempt. And so that meant that you had to go back to your house and you sit there and wait. And then like guards are gonna come in and they're gonna search your home and make sure that there's nobody in there. And it was kind of like like the adults seemed like they were terrified, but the kids were just like, This is just part of life, like whatever. But they didn't realize that their dads were going through oh these like God. terrible things. Um, that were going on, you know, like they, they didn't realize they said that their dads didn't talk yeah. a lot about work at home. Um, you know, like that was just kind of part of it, but 
Yeah, there were 18 officers that were injured. Um, eventually, the U.S. Marines were called to assist in, on May 4th. So this is two days later. I guess it's like it was two nights and three days total. So on May 4th, the escape attempt ended with the discovery of the bodies of Coy, Kretzer, and Hubbard. Shockley, Thompson, and Carnes stood trial for the death of the officers, and Shockley and Thompson received the death penalty and were executed in a gas chamber at San Quentin in December of 1948. Carnes, who was only 19 years old at the time, received a second life sentence. And like I said, he's going to Damn. reappear shortly. Or actually probably on our ep- next episode. Okay. Got a lot of living left to do. He does. He's, I mean, he's spending his life there. Or he probably was moved eventually. But all right. So July 23rd of 1956. So that one, what year was that? So that was 1946. So 10 years goes by after that one. Without an escape attempt, which is pretty crazy. They must have, like, really, really hurt people after that. Yeah. This guy named Floyd Wilson disappeared from his job at the dock. And after hiding for several hours among large rocks along the shoreline, he was discovered and he surrendered. He must not have had a good plan to get off the island. Why? I don't know. Ugh, these people. Yeah. All right. A couple years later, September 29th of 1958, while working on garbage detail, again, this is another garbage guy, Aaron Burgett and Clyde Johnson overpowered a correctional officer and attempted to swim from the island. Johnson was caught in the water, but Burgett disappeared. An intensive search did turn up nothing, um, but then two weeks later, his body was found floating in the bay. He didn't make it. Oh. Yeah. December 16th of 1962. So this, that was number 12 that I just talked about, right? So I'm actually going to skip to number 14 right now because 13 is the the big mystery thing that everybody likes to talk about. So we're actually going to, the whole second episode about Alcatraz is going to be on that. December 16th. Well, of that escape and the mystery around it. And there's just all kinds of things. Yeah, so I'm just going to skip right now to December 16th of 1962. This is the very last escape attempt at at Alcatraz. So John Paul Scott and Daryl Parker bent the bars of a kitchen window in the cell house basement, climbed out, and made their way down to the water. Parker was discovered on a small, small outcropping of a rock a short distance from the island. Scott attempted to swim towards San Francisco, but the currents began pulling him out to sea. He was found by several teenagers on the rocks near Fort Point beneath the Golden Gate Bridge and was taken to the military hospital at Presidio Presidio Army Base. I might have said that wrong. Suffering. Oh, that's totally right. Yeah. Totally. Um, he was suffering from shock and hypothermia. He was treated, but he was returned to Alcatraz and lived. That was the last Back. one. On the next episode, I will talk about the 13th and most famous escape that occurred in 1962 and three inmates Frank Morris and brothers John and Clarence Anglin managed to escape. They did it? Well, maybe, but maybe not. We don't know. That's why it's a mystery. See, like, I would... Well, first of all, you need padding. You need to make sure that you're making padding. For what? For the jagged rocks. Oh, I don't think they did that, but... you just never know, like, what you might encounter. That's true. I what we're what you are gonna find on this next one though is that these guys like really did it. Like they really, really did it. 
Like they, I mean, like maybe they didn't do it. Maybe they died, but like, holy shit, they were elaborate. And there's arts and crafts. Okay. Arts and crafts. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. So So guys, tune in for our next episode where we talk about what you probably wanted us to talk about this whole time. Yeah. What you probably wanted us to talk about instead of albatrosses. <laughs> Albatry. Albat I don't I don't know. Let's find out what the plural of albatross is really quick. Plural. Um It is actually albatrosses. albatrosses. I just would have thought I would be like albatross. Albatry. Interesting. Okay, well, dances. thank you guys for anyway. listening. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're like, oh my god, fuckers, stop talking about albatross and finish up this episode. <laughs> They're like, why is this a bird show now? Because <laughs> I fucking love birds. Okay. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.